I used to pray every single week, sometimes every single day, for the Dallas Cowboys football team. I mean that sincerely. I've been a fan since 1989 when they were like 1 in 15. They were an awful team when I started watching them. And then I became a Christian around 1997. And when I became a Christian, I thought, well, I'm supposed to pray about everything, all the things that I care about, so I'll pray for the Dallas Cowboys to win. So I prayed all the time. Every Sunday, I'm constantly in prayer. You know, I'm cheering, and I'm jeering, and I'm praying the whole time. Now, if you don't know anything about the NFL, I'll just tell you guys that Cowboys fans probably pray more than the fans of any other team around the league, okay? And the reason is because Cowboys fans' confidence is so disproportionate to how their team actually performs each season that we feel like we need to pray after we see how how things turn out. Seriously, every single year, a Cowboys fan believes they are going to win the Super Bowl. Not just that they could win the Super Bowl, we start every single season believing, yep, this is our year, we're going to do it. It doesn't matter that they finished the last three seasons with a losing record, that doesn't matter to us at all. We believe, we have faith in miracles that God is going to move, and these Cowboys are finally going to pull it off, they're going to win the Super Bowl. And then, when they don't, when they start losing game after game after game, when they're like one of the worst performing teams in the league, we go to prayer. We're like, God, please help them. They are miserable. They need, they need a miracle. They need some help. You got to come through Jesus. So I was 18 years old. I had just become a Christian, and I was praying regularly for the Dallas Cowboys. And I had a conversation with somebody that stopped me dead in my tracks. In this conversation, I mentioned to this person, an older believer, and I mentioned to them that I prayed all the time for the Cowboys to win. And they asked me, well, how does that work? And I said, what do you mean, how does that work? I pray all the time, and God hears my prayers, and because I'm praying for them, they do a little bit better than they would have done otherwise. And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm curious, like, how does this work? This person I was talking to said, I'm imagining, like, all the Cowboys fans praying on this side. God, please bless the Cowboys. They need your help. And then he said, I'm imagining all the New York Giants fans on this side, and they're praying, God, please bless the Giants. Help them to beat those awful cowboys. God, you got to come through here. And so my friend said, who wins? Who gets their way when, when two people are praying to God and they may even be praying about opposite or opposing things? How does that work? And I was like, I don't really know. And they kept pushing. And they were like, well, is it a matter of numbers? Like if you get the most number of people praying on your side, then your team will end up winning? Does it come down to purity of heart? Whichever team has the purest fans, they're the ones who are going to win. They said even, what if God doesn't like your team at all? What if God is a Seahawks fan? And I was like, oh my gosh, if Jesus is a Seahawks fan, I'm converting to another religion. There is no way. I didn't say that. I'm only kidding. But I had no answer for the questions that they asked me. I just didn't understand. And I had never really given a lot of thought to how prayer works. How does it actually play out? And when they presented me with these questions, believe it or not, this stupid question about how praying for the Dallas Cowboys works precipitated a crisis of faith in my life. It really did. I was a young Christian. I didn't have the answers to wrestle through uh, this particular set of questions. And so, 
For the next little bit, every time I prayed for the Cowboys, these questions would echo in my mind. Like, how's this working? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Does God not want me to pray for the Cowboys? I just don't know what to do here. And then it transferred over to other parts of my life. And I started asking those same questions when I was praying for every area of my life. I'm like, well, how does this work? What does God want? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? I mean, I just don't even know if, if I'm engaging in prayer the right way. And so early on as a Christian, I actually stepped away from prayer for quite a while. I stepped aside and said, well, I'm just not going to pray because I can't figure it out. It doesn't make sense. I, I don't know how to handle it. So I stopped praying for the cowboys. I stopped praying for my own soul. Like it was just, I gave up on it altogether because questions about how, how prayer actually worked got me so confused and twisted that I thought, well, maybe it's best if I just step away. Now, I know some of you guys are sitting here this morning and you're thinking, what is this kid talking about? Like, why is he going on and on and on about this stupid football team from Texas? What is the point in all of this? Here's the deal. I'm setting the stage for the final truth in our prayer series that I believe God wants you to know. The final thing, at least that we're going to talk about this month uh, in regards to the subject of prayer. Okay? I think this truth is so powerful that it will shape how and how often you pray in the days to come. If you could grab a hold of this, if you could internalize it, if you could come to recognize it for what it is, then tomorrow when you think about praying, you'll pray in a different way. Or tomorrow when you get up and the thoughts of prayers would normally never enter your mind, it's going to show up and you're going to say, oh, I need to make some time for that because it's that valuable. One truth, and we're going to give it to you on the front end of the message this morning. I'm going to give you the bottom line at the top of the message so that we can refer back to it several times this morning. Here it is. Here's the truth that we're going to see in the scripture today. Regardless of whether prayer changes my circumstances, prayer always changes me. Regardless of whether prayer changes my circumstances, it always changes me. See, there is a value in prayer that you and I often completely ignore. There is something that happens when we devote ourselves to having a conversation with God that usually we don't even think about. And so this morning, I want to dissect that. I want to show you from the scripture how and why that's true and how it can transform your conversations with God. This is the final week in our series on prayer, and it's okay if this is your first time and you're like, oh, I didn't catch the first three weeks. Am I going to be lost? No, you're not going to be lost at all. Um, but I want to encourage you to go back. If you haven't been here, if you've missed some of the weeks, go onto our website or hop onto iTunes. You can catch the podcast. They're 30 minutes long, and we spend four weeks talking about prayer. And the reason we're talking about prayer is because I've noticed something in my own life, a problem that's been with me for years, and probably something you struggle with as well. When it comes to prayer, most of us have a sense of either mystery or monotony when it comes to prayer. See, some of you are so new to this prayer idea that you're like, it's mysterious. I can't make sense out of it. What am I supposed to do? What am I not supposed to do? How do I do it? And so we spent two weeks talking about how you can do it, taking the mystery out of prayer. Then last week, we moved into um, talking about the monotony of prayer. For those of you that have been Christians for a long time, you've prayed and you know it's something you're supposed to do and so you make yourself do it, but you've never enjoyed it. 
And so when you're praying, you're like, I just don't get the value in this, God. You keep telling me it's important, and yet I'm not getting anything out of this. And so for the last two weeks, we've talked about breaking out of the monotony of prayer. And so we're going to be, this week, finishing that out, okay? Um, You'll remember that over the course of this series, let's go ahead. Um, You'll remember over the course of this series, we talked to you about the three things that always come as a result of you praying. We've covered two of them. We're going to cover one today. There are three things that always happen when you pray. Always, there is always a potential result that comes about when you pray. The first thing is, when you pray, there are times when God demonstrates his power. His power comes out. We talked about that last week, how God wants us to ask boldly for big things because the scripture tells us God is able to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. And so I told you last week, our prayers are usually too small. We need to pray bigger prayers. If we came to understand how powerful and how good God is, we would start praying prayers that sound nothing like the things that we typically pray about. Now, that happens sometimes. God doesn't always give you a demonstration of his power. You might ask him for something, and he might say no, or he might say not right now. But I told you in week one, there is one thing that God will always give you when it comes to prayer, and that is peace. Every single time you pray about any given situation, you will always receive peace from God. So God always says yes to your prayers He always says yes in the form of peace. The scripture tells us there in Philippians chapter number four that we should pray about everything. And when we do, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. There are no conditions on that verse. If you pray, God will give you peace that will function as a guard on your heart and your mind. But there's one final thing that comes about as a result of our prayers. And this is where we're gonna hone in this morning. Not only do you see God's demonstration of power, not only do you get supernatural peace, but you will find new perspective every single time you pray. If you will pray the right way, every time you talk to God, there will be new perspective that comes to your life. Look at what the book of James says in James chapter number four, verses two and three. The Bible says this, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. That's the power that we talked about a moment ago. If you would just ask, there are a lot of things God would give you. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And it says, even when you do ask, you don't get it. Sometimes God says no, because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure, the scripture says. That might be the truest verse in the Bible, right? If we're honest about the things that we pray for, it's usually the things that we think will make us happy. That's what we're asking God for. And so in this message today, I want you to understand that as you pray, God wants to give you new perspective on the things that you're asking for. God actually wants to change your mind about some of the things that you think are important, or at least wants you to consider why it is that you are praying for those things. Now, The way that you're going to gain new perspective is by having a right understanding of prayer. See, I've told you this whole series, there's basically no wrong way to pray. You could pray, just give it a go, and if you get the words all wrong and you accidentally slip a cuss word in there because you don't know any better, it ain't the end of the world. God will still hear you if you don't say in Jesus' name, if you forget to bow your heads and close your eyes. None of that is really what prayer is all about. There's almost no wrong way to pray. 
But this morning, I'm going to tell you the one wrong way to pray. I'm going to tell you the one thing that is compromising your prayers. This is the thing that is making your prayer life one-dimensional and monotonous. This is the thing that is keeping you from experiencing everything God intends when it comes to prayer. And it's understanding this one fact. Prayer is supposed to be a conversation. Do you realize that? Prayer is supposed to be a conversation. You see, the best prayers, they involve as much listening as they do talking. Prayer is not only an opportunity for you to unleash on God, but it is an opportunity for God to speak to you in various ways about the things that he wants for your life. See, when we pray, we pray to tell God what we want from him. God, this is what I want from you. I need you to do this. I need you to give me this. I want this from you. But in prayer, God actually wants to communicate the things that he wants for you. We communicate to get what we want from God. God communicates so that we can understand what he wants for us. Prayer is a conversation. The problem is most of us do not look at prayer as a conversation, do we? Most of us think of prayer as one way. It's a monologue. It's me talking to God. And since I know deep down inside that I'm going to spend a very limited amount of time talking to God today, then I better just cram in as many requests as I possibly can in the next five or 10 minutes. I'm just going to unleash everything I've got, and that'll be enough, right? I was thinking about it, and it kind of seems to me like most of us when it comes to prayer, we're more like kids on Santa's knee than anything else. We really are. Like in a couple of months, Santa's going to show up here at the mall and parents are going to queue up for like an hour and a half so that their kid can sit on Santa's lap and get a photo and talk about what they want for Christmas, right? Is there any kid in Calgary that you can imagine that would sit down on Santa's lap and say, now Santa, what do you think I should get for Christmas? No! Every kid sits down on Santa's lap and starts talking. Here's my list. Here's my request. Gimme, gimme, this is what I want. This is what I need. And I've been good, so I've earned it. Gimme, 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 gimme. And that's it. And that's the way a lot of us pray to God. We come into his presence and we unleash and then we make a critical mistake. We assume that when we're done talking, the conversation is over. This is the problem that I have in my prayer life and that so many of you struggle with as well. You've never identified it. You've never been able to put words around it. But the reason that you find prayer so monotonous is because it's a monologue. It's not a dialogue. It's one way. You assume that as soon as you stop talking, prayer time is over. But listen, if a conversation is only one-sided, it can't really be a conversation, can it? No, and prayer is a conversation. I just imagine so many times that I'm praying and I'm like, in Jesus' name, amen. And I walk away and God's like, good talk, bro. Like, I wanted, there were a lot of things that I wanted to say here. And we get it wrong. Can we go back one slide, Tanya? Thanks so much. We get it wrong. We get confused about what prayer is actually supposed to be. Prayer is not over the moment that we stop talking. See, in this conversational form of prayer where we're listening as much as we're speaking to God, 
As we're praying, God's Spirit is actually going to be asking you questions. You've never thought about that, so you've never paid attention to those questions as they start to surface in your mind, but they're there if you'll start listening. And so as you're praying, you'll start to have a voice in your head, and it'll ask you a question like, why do you want this so badly? Why is this so important to you? Why are you praying so much and so hard for this one thing? And for some of those questions, the answer is going to be really obvious. You're like, well, God, I'm praying that I would have happy and healthy kids because I want happy and healthy kids. It's pretty obvious. That's why I'm praying this prayer. And yet, other times, God is going to ask you some questions. His spirit is going to speak to you in some ways during your prayer time. And what it's going to do is it's going to uncover your motives. It's going to lay bare your priorities. It is going to force you to examine what you really think is important in life. So some of you will be praying and you'll say, oh God, you know, um, I really, we need a new house and we need, we need to close on this place. You know we do. We need this new house. And if you're listening in prayer, God will say to you, why do you need a new house? And you'll say, well, God, because, you know, we've got another baby coming and um, this place is getting a little small and so we need a new place. And God will say, why do you think this house is small? And you'll say, well, they had it listed as a starter home and we've started. <laughs> so now it's time for a move up home. That's just the way this works. And God will say, but you can't afford a move up home right now. And you'll say, yeah, 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 but I mean like, I think that I, this is the right thing. We need this. This is what everybody does, right? And then God will say, hey, maybe it's better for your kids to grow up in a crowded house than in a home that is saddled with massive debt and all the stress that comes along with it. And then you'll say, hey, God, this has been a good talk, but I got to get going. We'll chat soon. And you walk away. See, prayer is a conversation, and during this conversation, what God wants to do is shift your perspective. He wants to uncover your motives. He wants you to really start examining what you think is important in life and why it is so darn important to you. Prayer is a conversation with God, and until you pray as a conversation, you are always going to struggle. Because then there is no point in your life in which you are examining your priorities, your values, your motives, and determining whether they are properly ordered. Remember, the book of James told us, you have not because you ask not, and sometimes you do ask, but you ask for it with the wrong motives, so that you can only get things that you think are pleasurable. Your motives and your attitudes really do matter when you pray. Tim Keller is a famous pastor, an author, and theologian. He wrote this one time. I thought it was a really, really great quote. He said, prayer gives us relief from the melancholy burden of self-absorption. Isn't that true? Prayer gives us relief from the melancholy burden of being only focused on the things that we think will bring us pleasure. Oswald Chambers is a famous writer as well. He wrote a devotional called My Utmost for the Highest. Uh, wait, my highest, wait. I don't know why I'm blanking on this. Let's pretend that didn't happen. So he wrote a really famous devotional. And in the devotional, he says this. He says, to say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me 
and then I change things. See, prayer is a conversation. And regardless of whether it changes my circumstances, prayer always changes me. That's why it's valuable. Whether God gives you a demonstration of his power or not, it will always pay dividends and rewards and shape you into the person you should be. Jesus told a story that illustrates this very dramatically. We're not going to spend a ton of time on it this morning, but I want to read it because I think it's that important. In Luke chapter number 18, you remember last week we talked about the parable of the persistent widow. That's in Luke chapter number 18, verses 1 to 8. Then we're going to skip down to verse number 9 this morning. Same chapter as last week, and Jesus says this, Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness, and they scorned, they looked down, they thought they were better than everyone else. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and a Pharisee was a religious leader, somebody who was very self-righteous. Thankfully, there are no Pharisees today. Anyway, one of them was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. People have hated CRA agents like since time immemorial, guys. The other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself, and he prayed this prayer. Can you imagine somebody getting a microphone this morning and praying this prayer? I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I am certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. That was his prayer. But the tax collector stood at a distance. And the Bible says he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. And he said, simply, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. And then Jesus says this, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, not the religious guy who did all the right things, not the dude who impressed others with his prayers, Jesus says, this sinner returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Listen, according to Jesus, your attitudes and motives matter greatly when you pray. When you pray for something long enough, you are forced to consider and evaluate, why am I praying for this? Is it really worthwhile? Why do I think I need this so desperately? Hey, this is why it's critically important to pray, even if you're a non-religious person. And I mean that. I'm not like being facetious here. If you're not a Jesus follower, if you would not consider yourself a Christian, I think you ought to pray. Because when you pray, There is this evaluation that happens. It causes you to check your motives and your priorities and your attitudes about life. And so even if you're not sure that anybody is listening to your prayers, I think you should pray because it turns out prayer is the greatest form of self-help on our planet. If you will do it consistently and if you will listen to the dialogue that comes out of it. I don't even care at this point if you think the dialogue is just your conscience, it's still good for you. Now, here's the deal. If, there, if it turns out there is a God, he exists and he's listening, then prayer is not just self-help, but there's also a little bit of divine help that might come along with it. And who doesn't want a little divine help every once in a while? Prayer is critically important. And I think every single one of us should do it because you'd be surprised at just how much it shapes you into a better person 
if you're listening while you pray. Now, speaking of divine help, you might think, okay, I'm praying, and clearly if I'm looking at my motives, my motives are probably not where they need to be. I mean, I'm asking for pleasurable things. I'm probably asking for some sinful things in some cases. And so you might think that God is up in heaven, and he's looking down and listening to your prayers, and he is like, for real? Are you praying about that? Like, I can almost imagine God saying, if you talk to me one more time about the Dallas Cowboys, Dan, I am going to, I don't know, give you a big zit, or I'm going to make the Eagles win the Super Bowl. I don't know, but I'm sick of hearing it. You might assume that if your motives are wrong or your attitude is wrong in prayer, that God is actually angered by the things that you say in prayer. And it might cause you to back away. It might cause you some anxiety. You might say, oh, wait, now we're back to that mystery side of prayer where I don't know what it's supposed to be and I'm doing it wrong and so I'm just not gonna pray. Can I tell you some great news? God does not respond even to our broken and self-centered prayers in that way. Let me read you one final passage of scripture this morning. It's from the book of Romans chapter number eight. The scripture says this, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Okay, that's the new truest verse in the Bible. We don't know what we're supposed to pray for. I don't even know half the time what I'm supposed to pray for. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit prays with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Do you have any idea how amazing that is? God is so loving and good that even when I pray a sinful prayer, even if I pray a stupid prayer, even if I pray for something with the wrong motives, attitudes, and priorities, every single time, The Spirit of God, somehow in ways that I can't even explain, takes my broken, sinful prayers and turns it into something beautiful and effective for blessing God's kingdom, for bringing me into the Father's presence, for shaping me into the man that I was always supposed to be. So yeah, your motives matter. And if you'll pray as a part of conversation, it will shift your perspective on things. But even if you get it wrong, your prayers are still accomplishing something in your heart, in your soul, and on your behalf. I'm going to wrap up with this. You you might be hearing me this morning and you're like, wait, Dan, so you're telling me that when you sit in your office and you pray to God, you are hearing God speak to you like an audible voice. Can I recommend a counselor? Because I don't think that's normal. If you're hearing voices, then that's not good. I don't ever hear voices, so am I missing God as he's speaking? No, you're not, okay? Um, Yes, God will speak to you, and we'll talk about some different ways that he will. But these are not like very obvious. It's not like, you know, God sends you a text message, and it's like, boom, there it is. I mean, there are always a little bit of understanding, a little bit of interpretation that are going on with this. But I want to give you a few ways in which God will speak to you during your prayer time or throughout the rest of your day. The first way that God speaks to you is through Scripture. This is the primary way that God will talk to you. This is why reading the scripture is so incredibly important. Even if you only read a couple of verses a day, it is very helpful because you are speaking to God in prayer and God is speaking to you through the word. 
You'd be shocked at how often you're praying for something, and then you read a verse, and you're like, oh, that's, that's the answer. This is like in direct response to what I just prayed. So maybe you're praying, God, my husband and I, we are not getting along, and I don't know what to do, and we're on the brink, and how do I handle this? And if you would open up the Bible, his spirit might actually direct you to a verse that says each one of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others as well. You should count others as better than yourself, serving them in love the way that Christ served you. That's an answer to your prayer. It may not be easy. You might've been looking for something a little better, but that's what you got. God gave you an answer, but you'll never hear the answer if you're not spending time in scripture. God will also speak through his saints. He will speak through Christians, people who have wisdom and understanding. The way that I eventually got out of my prayer funk that I talked about when I was praying for the Cowboys early on, the way that I got out of that was I eventually went to my youth and college pastor and I was like, hey, I'm struggling, man, because I got asked these questions and I can't explain how it works. And it turned out there were good answers. I just didn't know them. And so God used one of his saints to help direct me the way that I needed to go. God will speak to you through his spirit. You're praying and you get a voice, like again, not an audible voice. You would call it your conscience. It's the same thing that you would refer to as your conscience. And you'll hear something, you'll think about something. And in that moment, you need to consider, is this God trying to get my attention? Is he trying to speak to me about something? Because it may very well be his spirit saying, why is this important? Or trust me in this, or not right now, or here you go, child, I love you. His spirit will speak to you. And then also God will speak through special circumstances or signs. That happens, but you wanna be cautious because it's really easy to interpret circumstances and signs the way that you want to interpret them, you know? I mean, I've been at a, at a, at a driving in my car down the road and I've been like, okay, God, I know that if this light goes from red to green in the next few seconds that you want me to do that. Well, guess what? There's a pretty good opportunity, pretty good likelihood that the light is gonna turn. So that's not a great sign to look for. But God may bring about multiple circumstances in your life to get your attention and to say, now, go see if you can confirm this with scripture. Go see if saints are telling you the same thing when it comes to wisdom. Do you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you in this moment? God will speak to you because prayer is a conversation. And until you start listening as much as you're talking, prayer will never make sense. I'll say it again. Regardless of whether it changes my circumstances, prayer always changes me. So I want to challenge you to pray. Even if you don't know if you're doing it right, even if you're not sure or you can't sense or understand precisely what it's producing, I want to challenge you by faith to set aside a few minutes a day to pray specifically to God and to trust that he is at work in that moment, bringing you into his presence and accomplishing in you things that are going to pay off in years to come that you can't even possibly dream about right now. 